This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Thursday, April the 4th, I'm your host, D.A., and today we come to you from the Downtown Convention Center in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities home of the Final Four, where we're along Radio Road delivering you Around the Dial. So we'll begin with an interview, actually, from our show on CBS Sports Radio, and that would be from David Irving, the former Cowboys defensive tackle who joined us on Wednesday and had some shots at Jason Garrett. He said that he feels as though his former head coach in Dallas was, quote, uncomfortable with people of color. The guys of the morning show on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Sean and RJ, delved into this quote, which has now made national news. Let's listen in. On the DA show, our good buddy DA, uh, Damon Amendolora, he took issue with Jason Garrett as his head coach. Jason Garrett and I have never really got along. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, not many people get along with this man. Um, Why not? Uh, I wish I could put a finger on the man. I, I really do. I don't think it's just one reason. If, you know, it's, it's not just one person that doesn't get along with him. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of people. Um, I feel like if I could say anything, I feel like he needs to be more comfortable with people of color, to be honest with you. This is a league where there's a lot of people of color around, and you're going to have to deal with us. And if you don't know how to talk to us or relate to us, or I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough position. But we just never got along. He's the only person I haven't got along with in pretty much all my careers in football, him and Coach Rhodes. There's part one. Before you respond, Ralph, and on the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text, part two. So you're saying Jason Garrett has a problem connecting with people of color. Yeah, yeah, I think he does. I think I think it's a little uncomfortable for him. Um, I'm not, not to say the man's racist. He's definitely not racist. Do not get me wrong. Uh, I don't know. It's just maybe he's socially awkward. And, and me personally, I feel like he has a problem. I know he has a problem with me because I don't necessarily, I guess, work as hard as he thinks I should work to be as good as I am at football. I feel like Jason's one of those guys where, you know, growing up in football, he was always the second, second-hand man or the third-string guy. And I feel like he had to work his ASS off to even be able to step on the field with some of these guys. Where me, I could roll up over out of the bed with a hangover and go outperform anybody. And I don't think he likes that. Woo! Wow. I don't really know how to respond to this because I'm... Okay, I'm going to break two parts of news here one i'm not in the nfl Mm -hmm. two i'm not black right so i've never had to deal with jason from those either one of those positions uh but it seems that 
Jason has a big problem with people who don't try their hardest. Yeah. I don't think Dak Prescott has a problem relating to Jason Garrett. DeMarco Murray didn't appear to have a problem relating to Jason Garrett. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I bet you, I want to see if Des Bryant co-signs on this. Uh, you know, does oh, he, wait, I don't know about as Des right now, but no, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, I know. Let the anger subside for um, a few more years. How does Zeke feel about Jason Garrett? Does he relate well to him? Does Jalen Smith relate well to Jason Garrett? Garrett, there's no doubt. Jason Garrett has his type of guy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that his type of guy is a white dude. I think it's a guy who is a hard worker. Try hard. Yeah, and just because that's what Jason was. Jason was a try-hard guy. He wasn't talented. So is David Irving making a clear separation here of connecting with versus racist? Are you all hearing that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because it's a little bit cloudy in the in the first clip there it's very cloudy you know in the what i'm saying clip. like i don't give david credit right now for i mean he did separate in the second one but he, when you say he has a problem getting along with or connecting i guess there is I mean, yeah what do you think troy i mean he says that jason garrett is uncomfortable around people of color that i don't believe is true at all yeah i think it's that jason garrett is uncomfortable around people whether they're white or black, but in this case, black, that didn't grow up like him. You're talking about one guy that grew up in Compton, California, and another guy that went to Princeton University. They're not going to sit back and have a drink and a Coke and a smile. When David Irving told me that, obviously I thought it was pretty volatile comments, but the thing is that wasn't the only thing he talked about. He feels as though Jason Garrett felt uncomfortable around him and maybe others of color, But I think the most important takeaways from David Irving was the fact that the NFLPA hasn't done a good enough job in mandating that marijuana policy change within the drug testing circles of the NFL and that it's hypocritical for the NFL to be popping pain meds for these players constantly and to criminalize and cause suspension surrounding something much less serious than that being marijuana. And I think the problem is that the comments about Jason Garrett are the ones that are very sensationalistic, but that's not nearly the most important thing he said with us in a nearly 21-minute interview on Wednesday. Other football news, the New England Patriots only reload. They never rebuild. They never reset. They never certainly tank. Unless you're talking about post-Tom Brady, I guess. This is interesting. On Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston, they discuss an article from Greg Bedard in the Boston Sports Journal, which suggested that Belichick might be thinking about tanking in 2020. Could it happen? Here's the clip. I'll give you another theory that's tucked away at the end of this story. Maybe they, they play this year out, whatever. Brady leaves after next year, retires. And next year, Jerry, they tank for Taylor Lawrence. They, your guy, Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry. That the, the, the 2020, first year with the new coach, Josh McDaniels, they set it up to get Trevor Lawrence. Do the Lawrence. Patriots have it in them to tank? Patriots, the New England Patriots <laughs> with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are going to have the worst record in the NFL? Uh, in 2020, tanking, in, in this case, the nuclear Brady option, has to retire. Greg Bernard writes, so yeah, Brady is retires. Is Trevor Lawrence going to sit out the season, Mutt, or is he going to play? I think he's probably going to sit out this year. Okay. I'm hearing my sources telling me he may sit out this year, then play his junior year. Uh, or go to the XFL. Uh, 
if if McDaniel's walk gets takes over for Belichick, they would trim all this money off the salary cap. They would have a quarterback, two wide receivers, a tight end, a left guard, right tackle, and then seven other defensive players to to, to reset for. And in that case, Bedard writes, a tanking year in 2020 would be on the table. The prize. Wait, who's the quarterback? Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Who's you the quarterback? They have? Josh Rosen. Okay. Oh, like that. See this. You've had a couple oh, theories, the Ken. This combines a couple here. Like yeah. you wouldn't be tanking. Does, yes. does this make yes. sense makes to makes you that Bill sense. Belichick, the greatest coach in NFL yep. history, is going to go in the tank It'll to make help Brady look bad? Just makes to help better. Josh McDaniels get off to a good start. Yeah. So you know, no, it's his sons. You don't want Josh to be under too much pressure. So you lose a bunch Plus, of games. Kraft probably paid him fifteen million. He doesn't care. Belichick's like, give me fifteen million, I'll tank my yep, final Belichick, season. That's won't all affect he cares my, about money. He doesn't care about winning. Will not affect my. It, come on, he's this. By the way, Todd, a terrible year. Nobody would care. Who do we like better, Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper? McShay, local guy. Local guy. Yeah, he's a no you know, Portnoy's buddy. He's been on. We've. I don't think we've ever had Mel on, have we? We have not. Not we've in had my time. McShay on, and he's good. Round two, New England Patriots from oh, Duke University. Quarterback Daniel Jones. This was I believe this. They're going to take a quarterback, but it's not going to be Rosen. And he it's won't not, be there around two. It's not going to be with the thirty-second pick. Mel Kiper, round two. QB from Auburn University, Jarrett Stidham. So both Kiper uh, and tell us more about Jason Jared. Sorry, Jared Jarrett Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, Jarrett. Auburn. Yeah, J A R R E T T T. Two T's. Yeah. Um, both McShay and that's with the second second pick. They have two second round picks. Yep. One of those picks is going to go for a quarterback. Sorry, it ain't going to be Josh Rosen, sock puppet. What about Will Greer? They had him in for a visit. I love Will Greer. He's like my age, which is why I like him. He's got a full beard, a wife, a kid. He could be player coach. Um, <laughs> Save some money there. They need the coaches. Excellent point, Chris. Coaching um, staff. I don't know. Obviously, I, I have no idea. Daniel Jones is the one who's like six six and two fifty and got a great arm, strong arm. He's like looks like Roth. Tall, strong arm. Yeah. yeah. You trust a trust a Duke guy to you know. The be Duke, tough the Duke coach come from everywhere. Now. The That's coach is the quarterback guru. Yep. Who, Peyton who, Manning's whisperer. Peyton Manning coached Massage him up. Table whisperer. Yeah. When he came back and won the MVP, so maybe he uh, knows a little something something about how to get quarterbacks ready. Um, but that makes more sense, doesn't it? That instead of trading that p- first pick for Rosen, that they draft one of these studs in the second or third yes, round. Yes, because there's such a talent drain now. I think if they had, if they brought even Gronk back, you could say right. we'll use the 32nd pick on Josh Rosen, Ken's guy. It is impossible for me to see them doing that, given the lack of talent currently on this team. You've oh, not get me. Some, not if you you've think... got to get somebody to help your team next year, even if they're not right. drunk. You can't. Year one. You can't use the first pick. If on a, if, oh yeah, if you're you not can. going. If nuclear. you think Josh Rosen is going to be, you know, the, but, but the John, next he's guy. not going to play for two years. You need year. someone for at least two years. He's not going to play at all. That doesn't make it any sense. Easily be one year. Well, it's impossible to believe that the New England Patriots would try to lose with Tom Brady at the helm. Brady is never going to try to lose. There's no way they could ever be the worst team in the NFL. Now, post-Tom Brady, if they don't have the next quarterback of the future on the roster, then yes, I suppose a bad team, I don't know how bad you could be with Bill Belichick on the sidelines, but a team that has a washed-up Josh McCown or an old aging quarterback that obviously is at the end of his his rope and 
You know, you end up going 5-11 and 11 again. I don't know if even with a bad quarterback, Bill Belichick ever can truly get to 4-12 and 12 or 3-13, and 13, which you need to be to be in the top five of the NFL draft. But is it possible that the future of the New England Patriots organization at quarterback is not on the roster right now? Well, it's, it's obvious he is not. Is it possible they actually just kind of play this thing out and then reset when they do try to address that in the, in the, in the draft? Yes, I think that's possible. But tanking with Belichick, I just don't see that happening. And, and tanking even with Josh McDaniels, if he takes over as head coach, feels kind of unlikely, doesn't it? With the NCAA tournament now into the Final Four, we are reminded of names from March Madness past that dazzled the senses, and one of those guys being Jimmer Fredette. Do the Jimmer from BYU, the high-scoring, powerful Scoring bucket machine is now playing in China. And so he joined the Joe Rose Show with Zach Krantz on WQAM in Miami. How much does Jimmer Fredette think about another NBA opportunity? Jimmer, what was the or what are the arenas like in uh, you know for playing for the Shanghai Sharks when you went when it went around and you played? Were they crazy? Because we see like stories about it, but obviously I've never been to a game out there. Are they that they're into basketball, right? It's crazy out there. For sure, they love basketball. Um, there's a lot of people that watch the games, but the arenas, you know, it just depends. You know, there's a whole, you know, array of arenas. Like some of them are, you know, like almost like a high school gym and, uh, you know, very old and, and, and run down and everything. And, you know, that's just kind of where they have been playing their whole, their whole you know, careers over in those gyms. And then there's some gyms that are brand, brand new within the first year or two that are NBA arenas that are super nice. Um, and everything, so it kind of just depends on the team, and uh, so you go through that whole roller coaster while you're there. But uh, the people do love basketball, and they watch it, and they they love to watch it online, honestly, because they love to watch it on their iPad, and they like to communicate with other people while they're talk while they're watching the game. So I think most of the consumption that they do of basketball is is actually online. But some of the games are crazy, some of the fans are very very crazy, and they they're a huge basketball crazy uh, country. Jimmer, do you ever start to wonder if you're ever going to get a chance to come back to the NBA where you're thinking, man, I might be over here playing in China for a long time, or did you think you'd get another opportunity? You know, I always felt like I thought I could get another opportunity, and I kind of saw it progressing as, you know, over my course of my three years in China, and obviously specifically my last year in China, my goal was to to try to make it back into the NBA after, you know, the, the season just because I would be a free agent and knew that, that I could have that opportunity. And I wanted to take one more shot at it. Um, you know, I knew that the game was kind of evolving to a little bit more of what I like to do, and that's shoot threes and play up-tempo and, you know, not as much in the post and different things like that. So, I mean, it kind of plays a little bit more into my hands in today's day and age, which, um, you know, I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to try to get back and, uh, you know, make it back in. And I feel good. I feel confident and, um, you know, excited, just excited for this opportunity. Jimmer, you were a star in college. You know what it's like to be one of those guys that's going to be a top pick in the draft. Uh, we had an issue with Zion Williamson last year, from or this last past season with Duke. Uh, got hurt in a game where the shoe kind of exploded on him. And then at that point, the debate was, should he go back? Should he play? Should he wait? Because he's going to be the number one pick. Compensation for college players. What did you think about that situation? And do you think that somehow, some way, there's ever going to be compensation for college athletes? 
you know, I don't know about that. I mean, there very well could be. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a lot of people that are trying to to get that to happen, and and um, you know, but I honestly am not positive. There would have to be a lot that goes on into it, you know, behind the scenes to be able to to make that happen. But um, you know, as far as Zion's concerned, um, you know, it's all depending on the player. I mean, you know, Zion obviously could have just easily you know shut it down for the rest of the year, knowing that he's going to be you know probably the number one pick in the draft. And uh, I don't think anybody would have really had any problems with it, to be honest with you. And uh, if he, if he did do that, but he was seems like a kid that just loves basketball and just wanted to to play and uh, wanted to be a part of the NCAA tournament and wanted to play college basketball and play with his with his teammates and have that camaraderie. Um, so he just seems like a kid that loves basketball, and I think that's something that uh, you know NBA teams honestly probably love because he likes to be out there. He wants to compete. He wants to win. And, uh, you know, so to, to each his own, but um, I think everybody w- was excited when he did come back because they were able to watch him again in the tournament. Jimmer at his peak was one of the most incredible college scoring players ever. And it's kind of a little surprising that he was never able to really get that shot in the NBA and then take advantage of it. It did seem like he was going to be able to in the modern NBA get his shot, but that never really ended up happening. In the G League, yes. In China, yes. But... In the NBA, no. But it's always fun to look back and hear about stories of guys that used to be the heroes of March. Two other heroes of March, DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant, one at Kentucky, one at Texas, are now all-stars in the NBA. But could they be on their way out of Oakland? Is this the last stop for them in Golden State with the Warriors? Jeff Van Gundy joined Joe Lowen Dibs on 95-7, the game in Oakland. What does Van Gundy think about the future of Boogie and Durant? I want to ask you about DeMarcus Cousins, Jeff, and just how close to the old DeMarcus he is, the way he's been playing, the mobility, the offensive force. Is he going to be in a position to go out and get that max money or near it that he couldn't get when he got hurt in New Orleans? Well, I think that'll be very interesting to see. I think there's a, a lot of slots opened up this summer for max contracts. I think it's going to be interesting to see who actually gets offered those and in what order. I think Cousins has been a lot better defensively for the Warriors uh, than I would have suspected. Uh, he's gotten better and better. I don't think he's still back to um, what he was before because that's a hard injury and it takes a while usually a full year to get it all the way back. So uh, I, I'm really interested to see in who's interested in Cousins and how far financially they're willing to go uh, with him. Is it going to be a, a max uh, for the whole thing that they could give, or is it going to be maybe a shorter max for a couple years at big money? I'm interested to see what teams and how far financially teams are willing to commit to Cousins. Coach, if the Warriors – Go ahead and go back to back to back, and they do win another, <clears throat> excuse me, a title. My question is the why. Why would a Kevin Durant want to leave? What would be the the positives behind it? Is this to to show that he could go win a title? Because I, I I've been on record to say if he does, it's so be it. This guy can have his choose his own destiny. What would be some of the reasons why? Well, I think you're first of all the whole idea of can they. Um, choose just like Durant chose to come to Golden State, right? Uh, of course, when you reach uh, free agency, you have the right contractually to do whatever you feel is best for yourself. 
And I, I don't think anybody should question that. But the players should also not question that the players, I mean, that the fans have the right to dissect that decision and either agree with it or disagree with it. Um, that's their right as fans. I Until you really know what a guy's priorities are, you don't understand. I don't. I wouldn't even fathom to guess why a man would leave. You know the Warriors situation to go. Let's say to the Knicks. Um, maybe it is that he wants his own team uh, and to get more credit for a turnaround. Uh, maybe he wants to go live in New York and experience East Coast living. Maybe he wants to be closer to home. I, I have no idea what his priorities are, uh, and until you know a person's priorities, it's really hard to predict if or when they'll choose to leave a certain team. I think neither one of those guys is going to be with that team next season. That much is pretty clear. I mean, Boogie signed that one-year deal basically to rehabilitate his image, to get a a big contract after he comes off of the injury, do so with a highly pronounced team, the best team, the preeminent team of the NBA, have a deep playoff run, probably win an NBA championship, and then reset with another contract in the offseason. For Kevin Durant, I just think he is exhausted and fatigued of what has surrounded him going to Golden State. They'll probably win a third championship, and he'll probably be gone after that. But I think it's pretty obvious. Neither one of those guys is going to stick around for next year. I just don't see it. Oh, the Alliance. The AAF is done. This would have been week number nine of the regular season. Next week would have been week number 10, and then you would have headed into the playoffs, a 14 playoff, and then followed by an Alliance Bowl in the championship game. Originally in Vegas, now... It was supposed to be in Frisco at the Star, home of the Cowboys practice facility. But at this point in time, there's going to be none of that because they suspended operations. Everyone looking at the controlling chairman, Tom Dundon, as the bad guy, pulling the funding and shutting down and shuttering the league. But Jeff Calkins, a 92.9 in Memphis, says, don't be mistaken, Tom Dundon not actually the real villain here. He's not the one who failed on the front end to set up a viable, sustainable league. He came in as a white knight, tried to save it, realized, ooh, this is uglier than I thought. We're going to need the NFL, and then unrealistically said, let's get the NFL in here. And that didn't happen, and uh, and so he pulled the plug because he's lost $70 million already, didn't want to lose more. And so he's not a hero in this, and you have to question some of his decision-making, but he's not really the villain. I don't think the villain, to the extent that there is one, um, is the folks who planned on the front end. And it is interesting because I think what Polian said is dead on right from a football. And it makes sense. What is Polian? He's a football guy. And from a football perspective, there were some issues. Um, the uh, the offensive lines were generally terrible, um, which makes sense because the Giants' offensive line is terrible, and the Bills' offensive line is terrible, and those are NFL offensive lines, and then they have reserve players who are worse than them, and then they have... So then these players are worse than them. As I told a buddy yesterday, the offensive line play was a problem in this league, but if you've watched the NFL, it is hard to find good offensive linemen. Right, it's hard, and so it's hard in the NFL, so much less here where you're dealing with scraps. There are not a ton of them. They're not But fundamentally, it was a decent football product. It was a... From a football perspective, that's what Polio knows how to do is construct football teams. From a football perspective, it was good, and there were things that were interesting. The fact that, they, that the clock moved so quickly was, I mean, incredibly— uh, We got football games in under three hours. Yeah, 
No, no one cared about the fact that there was no kickoff. No one cared about that. It didn't ruin the game that there was no kickoff. No, and honestly, I think the fourth down, fourth and 12 conversion instead of the onside kicks, a better, it's a much more exciting play. Going for two points every time? Yes. You had to go for two points every time? I mean, there were, and then, and so there was. Hashtag save the kickers. There were some interesting things that, that happened, and I thought basically from a football perspective, it was entertaining. I, when I was at the games, there was no one who was watching this says, this is a joke. It was fun. At least once you, once you got Hackenberg out of there, it was fun. Yeah, I didn't. I was not of the opinion that the football product was that bad. No, it was. The problem was the business infrastructure, and honestly, that from a Memphis perspective, you could tell from the very start. Yes, they had their press, and and, and it's, it's very clear what happened here. They think there is room for one league, and they were trying to be first. The to XFL market. is coming. Uh, Vince McMahon is coming. There's another league out there that's supposedly coming. They were trying to be first. They raced into the marketplace before um, anyone else, and it was badly organized. And the financing obviously wasn't secure. But from a micro level, I have never seen a Memphis sports enterprise that was handled more poorly in terms of getting the word out. It, It was like they had their opening press conference, and then they disappeared. And I would have conversations with people, and you try not to be negative about it, but all along I said that I think soccer's going to work and I think football's not. And you try not to be negative about it because you want it to work. Just because, what the heck, it's another little diversion. You want anything to work. But it was impo- it, 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 they just disappeared. There was no presence in the market whatsoever. Um, uh, Kosha Irby is a nice guy. And he played here and whatever else, but they just weren't around. They weren't out there. There wasn't like there was. It was. Um, it was. It was pathetic. It was pathetic how little run up there was to this league. Okay, so I agree that the money people like Charlie Ebersol at the front end really screwed the pooch here because for them to launch an entire league and not be funded well enough to get through the first year without some type of guy coming in on a red carpet is ridiculous. I mean, I don't understand how that could happen. You know the cost pretty much of year number one. Now, if you want to say, well, attendance was down, the TV revenue wasn't what we thought it was going to be, the gate receipts weren't this or that. Okay, unforeseen cost that you look at. All right, that's one thing. But there's no doubt of what, generally speaking, you needed to get through year number one. And somehow they didn't even know that. That bothers me to no end. But also it sounds like this league, for all intents and purposes, Tom Dundon said they got a three-year plan here, then pulled the plug before year number one. And so, yes, Tom Dundon is the enemy as well because everybody in the league knew there was potential here. And he was the guy that went against everybody's hopes and shuttered it. And now is kicking players out on the street, making them fly their way home. I mean, Tom Dundon is absolutely, I believe, one of the major villains here as well. And we'll wrap up in the NFL with some uniform talk. There was a picture that leaked of the New York Jets' new uniforms. We know the Jets are getting a rebrand. We just don't know officially what it looks like yet. And so with a picture that leaked, how do Jets fans feel if this is what the new uniforms look like? Because... Jets fans have been known to be slightly passionate and opinionated. Here's two of them, Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN in New York. Before you say anything, just remember this. Okay, I'm good. Keep this in mind. I'm keeping it in mind. All right? Good. 
the uniforms that have leaked out on the internet may not be the real have ones. not been confirmed. But they got all these the jets are wearing them. Doesn't though. matter. First of all, there's a thing called Photoshop. So it's very easily, very okay. easily, right. these could be uniforms that were placed well, on a let, player. Let me say this, okay? Yes. The uniforms that they have that I'm looking at are not bad. I mean, the one where they got a picture here with Sam Donald here, right. it looks like the 80s uniforms. Can I ask you a question? Are they badass? <laughs> That's the key question. Oh are God. they badass? Would you define them as badass? Here's what I want to be. Badass. Here's what I want. I want my football team to be badass in a in a way that they're badass <laughs> to the rest of the NFL. No, okay? I know. That's what I want. I don't I don't the uniform. Oh, who cares? And we really need black in the, the, the Jets call. There's no black in the Jet colors. Do I need to see black in a completely black uniform? I mean, really, bro? Do we well, need that? We didn't need any change. I mean, there's right. nothing. There's, there's no a lot, reason. There's a lot of things wrong with the Jets. Right. Their jerseys haven't he, been one of them. Here you got this iconic uniform. Okay, really, seriously, the only uniform they won a Super Bowl in. So you know what? Look, we know. Let's let's take attention away from the team, which actually should be a good team this year. All right. You made a lot of nice moves in free agency, you know, the whole deal. And hopefully you're gonna the draft's gonna be a home run, all of that. You really need to change the uniforms? Why? You know why? Tell me why. I'll tell you why. Why? Because they have a focus group that told them Focus group. Hey, oh my god. If we change the jerseys, oh my god. we can sell more, make more money. The younger generation's gonna eat it up. Oh Who cares god. what Beningo thinks? We'll, well take them off. Me. You know, right? let's be honest. So they, let's do it. The, the, the Jets hate me. <laughs> All right, as a child of the 80s, I would prefer to see the new Jets uniforms look like the old Jets uniforms from the 80s, the Altoon, Ken O'Brien, Mark Gassino days. Those to me were totally slick, totally sweet unis. There's a little bit of that going on with these uniforms because of just, I think, the shade of Kelly Green, but not a lot. I think that we're all conditioned to expect the worst because of the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, the Browns, Nike redesigns, which are just awful. I would say that all things considered, what you have seen from the New York Jets rebrand, if this is the rebrand, is, hey, could have been a lot worse. That's where the bar is set for Nike's NFL redesigns. That will do it for us around the dial. The best in your sports talk for Thursday, April the 4th. We'll see you tomorrow from Radio Row, Minneapolis to the Final Four, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 